Sarah, our sponsor Vionic is back today with their Vionic Vitals collection. These shoes are the most essential styles for everyday wear to get us ready for spring, which will be here before we know it. We've already talked about my Uptown Loafers and Willa Slip On Flat and your Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, but this collection also includes the Walk 23 Classic Sneaker. That is that unapologetic dad sneaker style that's so popular right now. And I was just thinking having all four styles would basically be like having a spring capsule wardrobe for your feet. Oh my gosh, that is actually such a genius idea, Megan. I love where you're going with this. You know, high quality shoes are such a classy way to elevate your wardrobe. And the styles in the Vionic Vitals collection really can be worn in your everyday mom life, whether you're running errands or dressing up for an occasion. Yeah, and let's talk about the comfort factor, Sarah. Vionic actually got started by revolutionizing medical orthotics. Today, they continue to use that science to make cute and comfortable shoes that can keep up with our active lifestyles. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Vionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Sarah. We're two moms with eight kids between us from preschool to teen. This is the show where we help you feel better about the mom you are and share our own parenting tips and personal stories. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 143 of the Mom Hour. I'm Sarah Powers here, as always, with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. So today we're talking about tweens, which is like we a funny have word some. to even say. It we do have word. some. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we're going to talk about kids in that, I'm going to say 9, 10, 11, 12 age range. I think yeah. there's debate out there. I mean, tweens means preteen. And I have to admit, when I first heard that word being thrown around, I felt like it was a marketing ploy or like a made up yeah. thing. But I have one. I have a child about to turn 10. You have one about to turn nine. And you've raised four boys up through this phase. And I think we yeah. both agree there's definitely some things about this age range that are worth discussing that are not teenager things. They're not adolescent issues and they're not little kid issues. So it is a thing. Yeah, it, there is that like awkward stage where they're not, you know, they're not six anymore. And right. and they're they are experiencing hormonal shifts, um, possibly body changes, not necessarily. But even with with or without that, I find that your relationship starts to change. Yeah. There's some I don't know there's some rebellion or yeah. whatever that kind of comes up. So yes, I think it's definitely a thing. It's definitely a thing. So we're just going to yeah. talk about, you know, what we've noticed and maybe like some tips for parenting in this age range. Um, and I think a lot of our listeners, I know we always say we have a lot of new mom listeners, but we actually have a lot of listeners with kids coming into this, you know, even if you just call it big kids, like, you right. know, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 um, phase. So this is going to be fun. Megan, spring is one of our family's busiest seasons with tons of time on the go. There are so many places to be and details to remember. And the last thing I need is the constant irritation of uncomfortable shoes. So today we're talking about the Vionic Vitals collection from our longtime sponsor, Vionic Shoes. These are the best essential shoe styles for everyday wear this season. So Katie on our team is getting ready for warmer weather in Chicagoland with a pair of Vionic's Bella Toe Post sandals. These are Vionic's best-selling flip-flop style, and they have a cute little bow on them. They come in nine great colors, but Katie chose a versatile black patent leather. They're super supportive for her high instep, and they even come in wide sizes, which is a great option. Yeah, the styles in the Vionic Vitals collection are classics that don't really go out of fashion, and because they're such great quality, they're going to last as well, even with daily wear, which mine definitely get. And I love that Vionic offers a 30-day guarantee. Wear them, love them, or return them for a full refund within 30 days. But I have a feeling after those 30 days, our listeners will love their Vionic shoes so much they'll be ready to order another pair. Use code themomhour 15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at Vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Vionic shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. We are welcoming back Olive and June as a sponsor. And Megan, I'm so excited about this partnership because with spring right around the corner, I love refreshing the little things in my life, including my manicure. I am the biggest fan of doing my nails at home instead of at a salon because it's convenient, so much cheaper at just $2 a mani, and the results can't be beat. It all begins with Olive and June. Yeah, Olive and June's mani system has everything you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. These are profesh tools designed just for DIY. 
A couple of the items included are their best-selling poppy, which makes it so easy to brush on a smooth coat, even with your non-dominant hand, which you do have to use about half the time, it turns out, <laughs> and their award-winning cuticle serum, which is so nourishing and a finishing touch I love. Well, I've been a big fan of their quick dry polish for a while now. It seriously dries in about a minute, making it perfect for busy moms. Visit oliveandjune.com slash themomhour for 20% off your first Manny system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash T-H-E-M-O-M-H-O-U-R for 20% off your first mini system. Okay. Should we we talk about the tweens now? The tweens. I'm excited about this. Okay, so tell everybody (laughs) how old. You have two tweens technically, right? Yeah, well, I mean, I've heard eight to 12. So then, yeah, Clara would count as a tween. Um, So she's eight, going to be nine in a month, Mm -hmm. a month. This week actually so she's definitely in that phase and then owen is 12 yeah so, so you have two yeah. and you i've had... got two and then william's 14 but really he just you know that means he was a tween pretty yes. pretty recently and then the other boys are just old yeah but i've had so yes i've had five kids go through tweendom tweendom and yeah. i um allegra will be nine i mean sorry she is nine she will be 10 this spring so she's a year older than your clara um and so i thought we could start by kind of just talking about the basic differences or changes and I don't just mean the hormonal body stuff because some kids will experience that in the tween years and and many won't yet but I do think there are other kind of changes that happen in this um time period so I'll just name off a few and I'm sure you have uh things to add so Mm. my first one was just a a big drop in interest in little kid things or more of an interest in the adult world and I guess for my tween she doesn't have teenagers around her a lot but I could also see how this would be a shift in like if there's younger siblings and older siblings, I feel like there's a big shift all of a sudden in being interested in doing what other say six, seven, eight year olds are doing. And then yeah. like a swift shift to being interested in either kind of the adult world or maybe the adolescent world around you. I don't know. if you've Yeah, that. no, totally. have noticed that um, Clara, because she's just a little different anyway, and she has so many older kid influences has never been super into little kid things. Not since she was like five. I think the last time she was really into toys was five or six and she was in a little pet shop and stuff like that. But this year I felt a shift. Um, At Christmas, I did not buy one toy, not one single toy. And I remember thinking, this is the last, this is it. You know, there there won't ever be an opportunity for me to buy toys at Christmas again. Nobody wanted them. And so Clara has been kind of heading there, but this year it was like a marked difference. I couldn't, I even tried to think of a toy I could buy her just, like, so that I would feel like better about it yeah. somehow. And I couldn't even come up with anything. It was, she wanted like art kits and stuff like yeah. that, like real art supplies, like, um, you know, like professional markers. She didn't want a Crayola kit with glitter pens anymore. You know, right. it's just, it's a very big yeah. shift. Yeah. yeah. Um, And I also, I also think it's, I mean, it, it's kind of sweet in a way because so the, the two main, like, little girly things that we have going on in our house are American girl dolls. And we have, we got a ton of hand-me-down American girl doll clothes a long time ago when Allegra was like a preschooler and it's lasted us. It was, came from a family that gave us everything that they had and it has lasted us through many years. And then there have been one or two new dolls, but then a bunch of hand-me-down dolls. So we have a, we have a pretty good size American girl collection, mostly having been handed down. Um, and both my girls, so Violet's five and Allegra's going to turn 10 and they both still love to play that. But it's sort of sweet to see like one minute you can be wanting to dress up dolls and play with your five year old sister. But then it's sort of like attention gets drawn elsewhere in a way that it didn't used to be. Does that make sense? Yeah, and then the no, other totally. one is Calico, Calico Critters. And oh, yeah, Calico Critters. I, I'm, I don't know if I. I don't know where I come down on this. It's a lot of plastic. It's a lot of small plastic pieces. I feel like you and I have ranted about this. And is Calico Critters the target knockoff? No, it's the the expensive one. It's expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The animals I find are really cute. I I love the way that they make believe with the animals. Um, I the houses and I'm embarrassed to say how many Calico houses we have. They've all been gifts like big ticket Christmas or birthday gifts. But I find them really plasticky like junky kind of so it's but some of the furniture is cute so they'll move the critters around and they'll make little scenes I just don't feel like they need anyway the houses kind of bug me and I and we just have too many so 
between the American girl and the calico, I do find myself being like, I, I don't know if we need all this stuff anymore, but I still have the younger one. And anyway, right. it's just something that I've noticed. And it's not like it's not like she'll never play with those things. And she might continue to gravitate to those things for two more years. But it's it's like half their brain wakes up to just, you know, more interest in what's going on in the teen and adult world. Yeah, totally agree. Another thing that I think um, I kind of have noticed um, it just got me thinking of it when you were talking about like that age, the age uh, nine, 10, 11, 12, um, you know, Owen and Will's cousin, Jack. I mean, they're all he's the cousin to all of my kids, yeah. but I consider him Owen and Will's cousin. He's, he's in between. Right. Yeah. He's right between. So Owen is 12. Jack's 13. William is 14. It's been really interesting to watch who Jack gravitates more toward mm. over the last few years and how that's continued to change. So like when when William became a a true tween, like when he went into middle school or um, yeah, I guess when he went to middle school, I really felt like he pulled away and Owen and Jack became closer. And then when Jack went into middle school and became a teenager, he and William kind of gravitated back towards each other and Owen's kind of doing his own thing. And it's like they can all still hang out together mm-hmm. and they do. It's not like they don't get along anymore or like they can't hang out and have a good time. But it's just been interesting to watch them go back and forth. Um, between who's closer at any yeah. given time. And I really think that now that Owen or now that Jack and Will are both like solidly teens, mm-hmm. they're just a little more aligned right yeah. now. Yeah. And Owen's just like a little bit, he would, you know, probably be more likely to talk with a kid who's slightly younger than him or mm-hmm. hang out with a slightly younger kid rather than go up the age. And it's yeah. just, it's been really interesting to watch that happen um, and watch how that ha- trend mm-hmm. has happened. So mm-hmm. Clara, same, you know, she's got a cousin that's older, a female cousin and a, and a female cousin that's younger. I think she's always been more gravitated toward the older mm-hmm. just because that's what she's used to. But I have definitely seen phases where she could play better with Luna and then phases where she's just aligned with Ruby and there's yeah. no there's no getting around it. And right now, I think she's kind of in that aligned with bigger kids. Thing. Yeah, like that's I, where she at. Where I think at. it's so good for kids to be around other kids of all different ages. And I've said that before, but this is one of those reasons is it fills different needs. Like sometimes you want to play American girl dolls with your five-year-old sister and that's what you need. And other times you want to age up a little bit. So I think I had um, some very good friends when I was 10, 11, 12, who were a year or two younger than me. And I loved it. Like that Mm -hmm. was my highlight of my day was coming home from, you know, junior high Mm -hmm. and getting to go down the street and play dolls with my neighbor because I wasn't ready to be done with that. Yeah. You know, but it was like, I was kind of torn between two worlds. Yeah. 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 Um, so another thing that I've noticed, and I know that you'll probably have things to say, this is like just a general interest in pop culture and media Mm -hmm. in the real world, like beyond Disney junior. Um, and I think that's, I think it's pretty cool. I think it's like a fun opportunity. I've had a lot of fun talking about movies and TV shows and music. Um, with Allegra in a different way. And, you, you know, I'm pretty protective of the media they consume in the younger ages. So it's freeing for me to be like, well, you really could listen to this or watch this and we'll talk right. about it. Um, and so that's been kind of fun. But I, I think there's a natural interest. It's not it's not me saying, hey, do you want to watch this movie? Right. It's them hearing about it at school or watching it on YouTube or whatever. So that's just I mean, that just I think that starts even younger. But maybe because I do kind of shelter my kids, I notice that it's just really strong in the tween years. Well, one thing I will say that I've noticed that's different in the tween years. You know, Claire has been into pop music for a few years. She's had she's had exposure to it, but she was sort of. um I don't, she wasn't very particular about it before. Mm, like whatever was fed to her, she would just listen yes. to. So it typically was whatever, you know, annoying pop song was on kid, kid beat. What is it called? I don't know. Kids. Bop. Kids bop. Yeah. Yes. Like it was like that. Like it was kind of like a compilation of what someone decided was right. pop music that, that she would just listen to. And Shoved just, through a and, machine. And exactly. <laughs> spit out. And for regurgitated. Yeah. Um, and so that that's like the kind of pop music I'm making big air quotes that she listened to. Now she picks her own stuff. And that's been kind of interesting to watch, like the, the way kids have access to music and mm. more choice and demand than I ever did as a kid and how much she can really choose her own musical experience. I have a Google home. She can walk in the kitchen anytime she wants and ask for any song. And yeah. she can hear My it. kids use it for that, too. Yeah. And so she's more particular now. She's not just willing to be fed. She's got her own opinions about stuff. And that I think is a big change. That's something that has changed like in the last maybe six months. Yeah. And Um, probably is even different. Even the few years between some of your older boys is still that's how much digital technology has changed in those few years of like what's available to her. Um, 
So another one I wrote down was the desire for more control over schedule and activities. Mm, so I guess what yeah. I mean by that is I feel like kids in this age range <laughs> kind of realize that they've been driven around and shoved around to various things for and 10 like, years I didn't of their have life. To play baseball? What? Right, right. <laughs> and like just with that increased independence um, and the realization that they really are their own person, just maybe being like, no, I don't, I don't want to go to Target with you right now. Or right. I don't, you know, and Allegra is such an easygoing kid that it's not really, I wouldn't even say it's a battle. It's just more of like, I think for both parent and kid, it's like, oh, you're not just the baby on my hip. Like, yeah. Pretty soon, and that's maybe why we get the training wheels of the teen years, but pretty soon you really are going to be in charge of your own schedule. You're not yet. So, like, what is this new space where we have to kind of negotiate? Like, you feel like laying on the couch and reading a book. Well, maybe it's time to figure out if you can stay home for a little bit on your own. And that comes up. I think we can talk about that in a minute. But I do think they just um, start to have more opinions about how they spend their time. Yeah, no, I totally agree. We had a, a meltdown with Owen this year. Because I really wanted him to continue playing baseball. And it was kind of weird that I, I've never been like that kind of parent ever. Um, in fact, the less stuff my kids wanted to do, I always yeah. thought the better. <laughs> but there was just something about it. I felt like he was giving it up for the wrong reasons. I thought he looked really adorable in his baseball uniform. I'm not even going to lie. That was like <laughs> 30% of my desire for him to keep playing. And he's also good. Yeah. And he's also one of those kids who tends to get really obsessive about like if he doesn't have something positive to distract him. Yeah. He can easily rabbit hole. So, yes, yeah. the fact that he yo-yos is fantastic, but that's all he was doing. He was right. yo-yoing all day long and was obsessed. <laughs> and that's um, not a metaphor. He was actually yo-yoing. literally yo-yoing all day long. It's better than when he bottle flipped all day long. But when yeah. he was into flipping bottles, that's all he did. Yeah. All he did was flip bottles around my house. I just I mean, like it was just really hard to deal with. So. When he said he didn't want to play baseball, I convinced him to do one more year. Like, come on, you know, all your friends play, you know, your cousin plays. It'll be really fun. It's nice outside, blah, blah, blah. He really didn't want to, but he finally was like, okay, okay. So he did it one more season. And it was kind of funny because I'd be driving him and he'd be late and he'd go, you know, I never wanted to do this in the first place. <laughs> I told you I didn't want to do this. And I had to hand it to him. He was right. Yeah. He had told me he didn't yeah. want to do it. And I really didn't have much right to be irritated with him for not being excited about going or not knowing where his baseball glove was, yeah. you know, because he didn't want to do it in the first place. So yeah. I kind of this year looked at him on his last day of his last game and his cute little uniform and how adorable he was. And he had a great game and he, um, he, I think got home a couple twice maybe. And so it was like a really good game for him. Mm -hmm. Then I was like, I guess that's it because it's up to him now. Yeah. I don't get to make that decision anymore. Yeah. And he was adamant. He was yeah. like, that's it now. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, well, and this is a good time for me to talk about his girlfriend. Well, yeah, I was going to say friends become more important, but why don't you just talk, go well, right to the girlfriend? Because the girlfriend was someone he played baseball with. Okay. And I was really excited thinking that maybe that would mean he'd want to play again. But no, mm, he no. and Francesca, as he Ooh. calls her, everybody else calls her Franny, but either she, way, it's adorable. To him, she's Francesca. Um, that is not going to lure him. No. And just so you know, I did ask him what. You know, because he, he asked her out on Instagram okay, um, over the holiday. And then when she said yes, like all of his cousins were following him around, like giving him high fives. It was the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and so he came down. He's like, mom, mom, mom. She said yes. And I was like, what are you talking about? And then he showed me the it's so it was just really innocent and you. sweet. I know. <laughs> so what does that mean yeah. to like? So yeah. what it means is they sit together on the bus. Oh, that is the cutest I think that's ever. it. I don't think they touch each other at yeah. all. Like, you know, but it was really cute as well as he came. He looked stunned. He looked completely oh. shell-shocked. And he's like, he, he holds his phone out and he's like, look, look, look. She said yes. And Quinn and Jack and Will were all standing around him, kind of like slugging him on the shoulder. And everybody was sitting there. So his aunts and uncles were all sitting there. It was during the holiday and everyone's watching this play out. So he was not shy about it. That's at so all. cute. Yes, it was. The most adorable. It's like bringing tears to my eyes. It was the cutest thing. It's very sweet and innocent. And like, it means nothing, really. It means right. they're friends. Right. Who are, they're special friends. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, I think everything that we've just talked about is like the focus or the attractiveness of the outside world, that pull starts to get stronger. And that yep. sort of covers everything from like the 
toys that they play with or don't play with to the pop culture and media to like, it's like the outside world is calling and they yeah. like they, we have, yeah, it's cool. They don't know like how it. to answer right. necessarily, but they, <laughs> but they want to. And yeah. yeah. And, and like, this is the in-between time. So we can't just like shove them out the door. Like they're, there still definitely has to be like bumpers and, you know, reigning yeah. in or, you know, saying you have to do baseball one more year. Like some of that's going to happen. Cause it's right. not like you flip a switch and now you're free, but right. Um, well, before we take our break, I maybe just a couple more quick things. I kind of made notes of things that start to change like around them. I mean, the things we've talked about so far are more like internal to them. But one thing I wrote down is school gets a lot harder. And I don't know if you noticed yeah. this with your boys, but fourth grade for Allegra happens to be also she has a pretty tough teacher, a really good tough teacher, like the best possible kind, but one who expect, expects a lot from them. Um, and also, I feel like a lot is expected in the way of executive functioning, like keeping yes. track of things more yes. um, is is a struggle for her. Um, and I it's been a learning curve for me to figure out, OK, how much am I going to like slow down and help because I want you to get these skills versus how much am I going to let you fall on your face in a safe way? Cause it's fourth grade and yeah. nothing really bad happens. But, um, I don't know if you can speak to that, but school definitely gets harder for sure. I think in these yeah. years. Well, and I think you start to find a lot, uh, you start to find out a lot about your kid's approach to being a student. Yes. And it, it tells you what you can expect. Yes. <laughs> like some kids will really rise to the occasion and just manage and, not have any trouble. Some kids will struggle with anxiety and some kids will decide that they don't really care that much or they don't want to work that hard. And I feel like fourth grade, fourth, fifth grade was kind of like the mark where I could start to see all of those yes. um, tendencies come out. And you think you kids. know your kid. Like, I feel like I've been a school parent for several years now, but I, I feel exactly like you say, like, this is the year where I'm like, oh, I didn't realize this was going to be Right. Something that's hard. And it wasn't yeah. something that was hard for me. So now I have to think about like how this works. Like yep. do, how much do I care that you're not, you know, forgetting your homework a lot and how yeah. much am I going to get involved? And like, it brings up a lot of questions because yeah, yeah, it really does. And I think too, it's like, it, it, it's nice because you have some time to figure that out and you yeah. don't have to step in and solve everything. It's still just fourth grade. Right. So you have some time to figure it out, but it is figuring out that balance between, you know, okay, so executive functioning, not always easy for kids. It was yeah. not easy for me. Um, what support could I have used at that age? Like yeah. what would have helped me help myself later on? Yeah. And I do think one thing that's better about school now than what the way I remember it. And, you know, my memory is going way back like 30 years. So I don't know for sure, but I feel like, I feel like kids these days, they do kind of get their hands held a bit to like third grade. Like they still, there's some yeah. babying going on. Like nothing terrible is going to happen if you forget your homework. Yeah. You know, it's like, and then fourth and fifth grade, they kind of have to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I was babied all the way through elementary school. Oh, that's interesting. And then when I got into junior high, I had no idea yeah. what was going on. I don't really remember having to try very hard in elementary school. I don't remember. I do remember there being like one year where I really just kind of wasn't living up to you know, expectations at school. And I don't remember any consequences. I don't remember anything happening. It was right. like, I still did fine. And I went, I moved on to junior yeah. high. And I just think maybe now there's more easing in, or maybe mm -hmm. they start creating, maybe there's just more known about well, what it means to be a good student and how to stay organized. Yeah. I think, I think that. that last thing you said is exactly it is we, there's like so much research now on like the skills that it takes to be a student, not just right. learn the stuff, but like, learn how to be a student. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if that has trickled down into actual curriculum and actual approaches yeah. that are just second nature to teachers now where it's not, where I'm not teaching you the math concept. I'm teaching you how to remember math homework every day or how to like yeah. fill out a planner yeah. or, you know. Yeah. So. I was great at absorbing information. That was never the problem. The problem was remembering to do the paper that wasn't yes. even that hard in the first place right. and turn it in on time and yes. not have it crumpled at the bottom of my bag or whatever the yes. problem was. So yes. yeah, yeah, that's you. And you start to see those styles come out like the kid, you know, the kid was the messy desk versus the kid who has the clean desk. Yeah. Like just, you, you start to learn a lot yeah. about kids at this age. So yeah, yeah, no, not everything you learn is, is not, is not everything you learn is, is encouraging. <laughs> no, but it's, it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. Um, yeah. Another one I wrote down was um, staying home alone or just any kind mm. of free range independence. So we have just barely started 
um, short periods of time of staying home alone. And um, Allegra is really excited. She has there's um, an old phone in the house that can FaceTime over Wi-Fi so she could call me or text me. Um, And we've started with the when I take Reed to his Taekwondo, which is like five minutes there and five minutes back. So she's, you know, alone for 10 minutes. Um, But we made kind of a big deal of it. Like the first time I made her call me, I said, call me in five minutes. So I need to know that you'll call me when I say and like just those little things. And then I think um, like we don't live in an area where like walking or biking farther. But I remember as a kid, definitely 9, 10, 11 um, being given way larger rain range in terms of where I could go independently. Um, we've, we've done a couple episodes on this. It depends highly on the area where you live and what's normal for you. So I don't think there's any like prescribed age range, but I actually say, I I actually will say it's been kind of fun to be like, yeah, you are ready for this. Like there's no reason you couldn't stay home alone for 15 minutes. And so it didn't feel like scary. It felt like yeah. kind of cool. Like, and Violet was like, where's Allegra? <laughs> She's at home. <laughs> She's at home. That's so funny. When you were just talking about that, it made me remember. And I had, I had a pretty free range childhood. I mean, I don't remember there being after the age of maybe eight or nine, like there being a lot of restrictions on where I could go or couldn't go. But I just, it didn't really ever occur to me to go outside of my like little couple Bubble. block radius yeah. like, to my friends. And then there was a corner store where I was allowed to go. If I had money, I could go buy a little Debbie or something. So I had sort of my my route mapped out and I never went outside of it, really. And then when I was 10, I got really mad at my mom one day and told her I was going to run away. And so she did the typical mom like, OK, but make sure you're home for dinner, like that kind of a thing. And I packed up later, like later, I realized this was very ill advised, but I packed a couple trash bags with like all of my stuffed animals. And then my friends, a couple of my friends from the neighborhood and I like set off on this ragtag adventure. And because I was running away, I felt like it gave me license to go way outside of my right. usual range. Yeah, you were going to push so, the boundaries. Pa- pushing the boundaries. And I went, you know, I lived in a pretty small town, but but it was pretty spread out. I mean, there were it was miles. Like, yeah. we went miles. And we ended up walking down um, by the riverfront where there was all the touristy areas that I'd never been to without an adult. And, like, walking down by the locks. I lived in Sault Ste. Marie, so there's the big um, locks there that the boats go through. And like going to these like tourist things by myself, like me and my three friends and our trash bags full of toys and like walking and going to the fudge shops and then going to the department store by ourselves. And we just kind of like had this madcap day of freedom. We were probably gone for like four hours. And then we got home and I was like, wow, like it really changed yeah. something like that was all me. Like I, that yeah. was all for me. I, I can do all that. And, and the funny thing is you really did run away. Like that was running away. You just didn't run away forever. But like right, you exactly. like you you needed to like go farther than you had. And you did. Right. It's really. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. And and it was kind of funny because when I was gone, I remember having this kind of weird nervous feeling that like I was way overstepping my boundaries. But I realized it was never my mom had never said I couldn't go there. I think she just never would have thought I would like, why would I take myself on a two mile walk to go someplace where she would take me if I asked? (laughs) It was just, it was just this very, like, I remember being nervous and kind of exhilarated and then getting home being like, well, I did that. That was pretty awesome. Yeah. And yeah. And the, she didn't understand why, but the reason why is because you were a tween. Like you had to, you needed to (laughs) right? (laughs) with your garbage bag full of stuffed animals, which is the (laughs) best part. Um, okay. So the last one I wrote down here and then we'll take a quick break is phone use and getting a phone. And that's, this is like worthy of a whole episode. So we don't need to spend a lot of time on it. Um, I did an interview with Devorah Heitner a while back um, that if you haven't heard, that's such a good interview about like kind of giving training wheels to our kids digital use. She's very tech yeah. positive. She's not like never give them a phone. She's much more about um, like parents sort of being involved. And I guess that's what I have to say is like, I don't have an age at which I will or won't give a child a phone, but I definitely think in the tween years, I'm right there over their shoulder, literally like, Oh, let me mm-hmm. like, let me teach you a little bit about texting etiquette. Like, you know, the person can't see your facial expression. So here's how that might right. get taken or like here, remember this is a group text. So like a lot of people are reading it. So they need a lot of mentorship and kind of, um, like our educating them. Um, and so I don't know. I know you've shared recently that, um, you know, your younger kids do have phones now. I don't know if you have anything else to say about tweens with phones, but. Well, I will say, you know, we've talked, we just talked and I can't remember if we talked about this on the show or just together, but we, how cute it kind of is to both of us that um, Allegra and Clara both have phones that yeah. kind of aren't really phones, but they, yeah, they can use them within the and house. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then they both forget about them for days on end or like Clara's is always like dead, no battery. So I think that's really endearing and I love it that she's not attached to it. Yeah. Um, It's it's funny to see how different that 
is between like her and Will and Owen. And something that I've definitely noticed that I think is pretty unique to this this group of of um tweens. I didn't even see this as much with my older kids, although they were always just kind of weird about the way they use technology. Like it would drive me crazy because I was like, I bought you a phone for a reason. Yeah. So could you have it on your person when yeah. I try to call you like that? They You're were supposed to be addicted it. to your phone. Why can't exactly. you remember it? <laughs> they keep telling me about teenagers being addicted to their phones. Um, but but William and Owen really put a lot of stock in getting likes and mm-hmm. shares. And that's something that I did not notice with the other kids. It's like it's not a success to them if someone doesn't like it. Like yeah. It didn't happen unless it gets likes. And they don't post a lot on Instagram. It's not like you know, they maybe put up a post every couple of days. But when they do, it's it's like a measure of their value to their peers. Yeah. And there's whole like social code built into that now. Yes. That's like that's that's yeah. what it is. Um, yeah. So that's just kind of hard to wrap my brain around. Like, I don't understand it because I didn't grow up that way. I don't yeah. use my social media that way now. I mean, I guess we are social media people. So, yes, we like it when people like our stuff like that's Like our stuff, guys. Like my stuff yeah, like on our Instagram. Stuff, I really need you to. <laughs> but if I but I don't like judge all of my it's not my social circle. Yeah. Like it's my sort of professional circle. So right. it's a little different for yes. me. Um, if I posted something on Instagram and a friend of mine didn't notice it or like it, I wouldn't think anything of it. Right. Like that I would literally get none of your brain cells. Exactly. Yeah, I know what right. you mean. Yeah. And to them, that would be some kind of a rejection. So yep. it's very, it's like social and public, but also private and very individual and personal at the same time. So it's yep. kind of I'm not sure what to do about it, except to continue to call it out when I see it and yeah. remind them that there's a lot of other ways to, you know, pay attention well, to your and I friends. Think one thing, like, I think I learned this from that book ScreenWise in the interview I did. But one thing we don't need to do is, like, tell them, well, you don't need to judge your self-worth on the likes. They already are. Like, that is built into right. their social. So we might think it's crazy. But it is the reality in the same way that like the height of your bangs might have been a measure of social status. Right. In, yes. You know, so it doesn't have to make sense to us. It really is true. And it's true of their social reality. So I think then you can just try and yeah, help them deal with it. Um, I, I, it's like I remember the conversation I had with my mom when I was in junior high and talking about being popular. And my mom was saying, you know, a lot of the kids who you call popular, like don't have that many friends. So what does the word popular even mean? And I thought she was the biggest idiot. I was like, well, everybody knows what it means. I don't have to, I can't explain it to you, yeah. <laughs> but we all know that being popular doesn't mean people like you. Yeah. I was like, yeah. I just, the fact I couldn't articulate what it was yeah. and, but it was so real and everybody and was, at that age knew it. Yes. Like, it was encoded it was. in the reality. Yes. Yeah. Right. No, I think that's super interesting. BP added more than $70 billion to the U S economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.com dot edu slash podcast okay so let's get back to parenting our tweens i really liked the first half of this conversation i feel like we kind of covered a lot of the general things that are happening um and maybe we can offer some tips for just how to up our parenting game during this yeah time. okay <laughs> i'm ready we're gonna try You're ready <laughs> yes okay so i remember the first time that my babies like showed their toddlerness and I'm sure you have memories of this too where like you've gotten the baby thing down they're like smiling and waving and maybe they're like 10 or 11 months or maybe they're like 13 or 14 months it's usually like (laughs) right after the first birthday and all of a sudden like they get that defiant look on their face and they they like they look at you like I am not gonna I know this is wrong I know what no means and I'm gonna do it anyway and there's like sort of this identity crisis as a parent and you're like 
oh my gosh, like everything that I knew and did for the first year, I have to like throw it out the window. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's kind of what I'm comparing this to is like, like any other time where the kid goes through a major change, there's like, for me at least, there's sort of like panic and resistance. Like, no, no, no. Yeah. Like yeah. I just figured you out. You can't change. And then you sort of like, relax and accept that this is still like the same person you gave birth to or that came into your family, however they came there. And it's, they're still the same person. Um, they haven't like, no one's robbed your baby and replaced it with a screaming toddler, even though it might seem like that. And then you can kind of get to the point where you're accepting it and then even kind of starting to enjoy this new phase. So like with a toddler, you get the defiance and the crazy irrationality of an 18 month old, but you also get like, they're putting two words together and they're Mm. starting to be. And so there's some like really sweet parts of that. So I, I have to think that the tweens are the same. Like you are losing some of the childishness. It is some of it. You are saying goodbye to calico critters or whatever it is, but you're also gaining like this new person. So I don't know. know. I think that's my general pep talk. You gain so much. And I think um, for me, I guess my one piece of advice in this kind of will loop into your overall point is to just not be taken off guard as much as you can just kind of anticipate that this is coming because it might not come at eight and you may have that nine-year-old who's still super sweet. And um, you asked me if I noticed a difference with boys and girls. Mm -hmm. I will say, I think Clara became a tween earlier than most of the boys. Mm -hmm. I felt like at nine or 10, they were Still, they were big kids, but like little boys. Boyish. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And so I've just noticed with her, it came a little sooner and I wasn't quite expecting it. And so that kind of threw me off a little bit. So I guess the overall piece of advice is just, just listening to this now, even if you're you know, kid is seven, it may be just around the corner that you're going to start noticing some of these changes coming. And I think the more you're just prepared and like not caught off guard, the better um, you'll feel about it. But yeah, I think I love the tween stage. I really do. I, it, there are challenges, but they become really independent. They become so funny and yes. so aware. Like Clara, now that she texts me, her texts are hysterical. And Aww. it's just, it's really fun to see how smart and witty she can be in a totally different uh, medium. Yes. You know, than just us talking to each other. And she's got a really great sense of humor. Um, I feel like this is the age, you know, when kids start to really become themselves and whoever it is that they are, they really dig in on that and yeah. like become the most they that they can yes. be. And so I, I, I love it. I think it's mostly positive, even though you, you know, you lose the goofy, like jack-o'-lantern tooth look and yeah. you, they look goofy in other ways. And yeah. that's cool too. But yeah. um, it, overall for me, I, I think it's a very positive thing. It's been a really fun phase for me for all of my kids. I can't yeah. think of one that I feel differently about. Um, and they, and it's, it's like less work and more. Yeah. No, I I think that's really encouraging for people to hear. Um, And one of the points I was going to make is that you just might have to look for different ways to connect with that kid. I mean, in the first half of the show, we talked about how they they start to enjoy different things. They're not as into the little kid stuff. They might play differently with their siblings or cousins. We talked about that. And that's definitely true. We don't have the cousin dynamic, but we do have the two younger siblings. And there's just been a very clear pulling away from Um, even like when my kids pick a movie to watch, like the movie choices are totally off now because Reed and Violet are still totally entertained by the same movies and Allegra wants different movies. So you might have to be intentional about make, you know, how you connect with that kid or how you make time. I know, will you tell everyone about how you guys have been watching Full House? Yes. (laughs) So cute. So Clara, you know, found out about Fuller House. Right. um, Yes. From her cousin. Yes. Okay. And she watched it and apparently like I didn't even I wasn't even privy to this but it it got her interested in origins so she's not a Fuller House fan but she ended up doing a bunch of internet research (laughs) to find out about Full House and then she got really really into Full House she's already watched a bunch but now she and I are watching it again from the beginning and I have to say it's actually a really cute show I remember kind of rolling my eyes at it because I was just on the older edge when it came out um I I definitely remember watching it while I babysat a few times Mm -hmm. like on TGI Friday but like I got, I got over it pretty quickly and it's kind of fun now to go back and see all those early episodes. Yeah. She, this is kind of an aside, but she really wanted Stephanie Tanner's hair from the first season when Stephanie's like really little, she's the middle daughter okay. and she got her hair cut last week and it, it didn't really look like it Stephanie's and that it was kind of devastating for her actually. Aww. Cause she wanted like a side pony or a, t- a high pony with a scrunchie and like 
curly hair and like big curled under bangs. And it's still so amazing to me that she like, well, like we talked about in the first half of the show that she like independently discovered this form of entertainment yes. and like kind of full bore got into it. Like, I yes, don't, like I don't think I had as strong as of opinions about stuff at eight or nine, but well, I think and it's I, awesome. She, she and I had this whole conversation because she said, did you know um, that, that Michelle is played by twins? And I said, yeah, they're the Olsen twins. Like they're, they're yeah. so famous. She said, but did you know that they almost got fired? And that John Stamos um, went to bat for them because he did not want them to get fired or they were going to fire. One, like once they were past the age, like with twin actor or um, child actors, uh-huh. when they're really young, there has to be a twin on a sitcom right. because they can't have them work. Like, they can't have them yeah. work more. But at some age, you could kind of start to tell them apart. And then I think they didn't have to have a twin anymore. So I guess the producers were trying to or whatever executives were trying to axe one of the <laughs> I didn't know this, but Clara had apparently watched some kind of behind the scenes documentaries about house so she had the whole scoop like she knew it's amazing she told she could tell me what episode like um aunt becky comes in and all this stuff so anyway she's really really into it and now we're enjoying it together and it's just really funny it's like it's like a blast in the past but yeah her you know she was sending me screenshot pictures of stephanie tanner's hair for date she was obsessed with stephanie tanner's hair and wanted it really badly which i think is probably why it was so hard when it didn't exactly it work did, out. It will probably was set up. It was never going to be exactly right. No, probably. No and remember the- like that kind of, and that's the thing too about tweens. It's like, she has the magical thinking of yes. a child. Yes. Like I will get this haircut and it will transform me yes. into an adorable blonde yes. and five-year-old. Yeah. And then, so she still has that sort of wishful, you know, yes. magical thinking. Um, but she's savvy enough to know she wants this very specific yeah. haircut. It's just like, it yeah, is. like two little forces caught between. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I think just, yeah. Looking for ways to connect in kind of meet them where they are, whatever those kooky interests are making time for a one-on-one time. Um, yeah. I have noticed this is more, well, more... I have another example. Okay. Um, it. It, and it's looking, and I think we've talked about this as well, but like sometimes like keeping your eyes open for unexpected opportunities. Yes. Definitely. So like the cat time that Owen and I share, mm-hmm. because now we've both bonded like seriously hard over our cat. And it means he hangs out in my bedroom a lot, yeah. which at his age, you wouldn't think you would, yeah. but yeah. we end up kind of cuddling up in my bed with the cat a yep. lot. And we don't say a lot during that time. You don't, you know, it's not like he's downloading his entire day, right. but we're spending time together. And yep. if there's something he wants to talk about, he will. Yeah. So it's just, sometimes it, you don't always know and it can't always be planned for. You kind of just kind of keep your eyes open. Yep. Absolutely. For those opportunities. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Allegra and I are enjoying, I think I mentioned this in the first half, but just like different music. We, Brian and I watch a couple of TV shows that Allegra's really would like to watch with us. Uh, one is Top Chef and one is Survivor. And she gets the whole like competition, like reality competition show. And she's watched all of the kids reality cooking shows like Top Chef Junior, Master Chef Junior, all of them. Um, But she just has this like burning desire to get in on the TV shows we're watching. And some of the shows we're watching are not kid appropriate. And more more importantly, when we watch TV, it's like our time. So we haven't just like let her in completely, but we'll we'll go and tell her when there's like a scene in Top Chef that would be fun for her to watch the chefs do a competition or whatever. And she'll come downstairs and like it just feels it feels special because the other kids don't get to do it and it feels more grown yeah. up. Um, mm-hmm. And it also, yeah, it is. I think, I think media and pop culture, anytime you can enjoy it together, it opens up a whole potential world of conversations. And I'd rather my kids see mature media with me and talk about it than yeah. ban them from it. So I think that can be Absolutely. a connector for sure. And and one thing I think that was different when I, maybe not at nine or 10, but definitely by like 11 or 12, with my older kids as I started to realize like I would rather have them watch something that was borderline inappropriate for their age, but really smart and mm-hmm. well done. Yes. Then some, you know, lame garbage, <laughs> like yes. garbage show that just happens to be on a kid's network. Yeah. Even if it doesn't have, you know, any kind of jokes that are maybe a little racy or even if it doesn't have, any bad words or whatever. That doesn't mean it's good quality programming. That's no. giving them and a lot of times value. those are just rife with stereotypes too. Yes. I feel like, I feel like the gender stereotyping is the parents wor- look stupid. Yes. Is like all of the stereotyping is yeah. worse in the media that's meant for like this impressionable age. Well, um, I think it's because the, the shows both try to get away with being 
G-rated or close, yeah. you know, so they're clean. So people feel like the kids can watch them, but then they try to hook the kids in by making them edgy in a different way. Yeah. And it tends to be, like you said, a lot of gender stereotypes, a lot of, I find like really kind of snotty kids being mm-hmm. mean to each other or being mm-hmm. mean to their siblings or being mean to their parents. Or like having really high drama first world problems. <laughs> yes. And a lot of really absent parents. I mean, we could yeah. probably rant about this, but I remember watching, um, I can't even remember now, iCarly, I think, was right. one of the shows that, sort of the one of the first ones of that genre. Yes. And I was like, wait a second, this entire <laughs> setup is baloney. So <laughs> this girl's parents are both in the military in Iraq or something like that. So she's being raised by her 18-year-old brother because who who basically is functionally 6 years old. Like he <laughs> he can't even dress himself. He's he's like the butt of every joke, but he's an adult so he's her caretaker. And that means that she gets to live in a, basically an adult-free life in this amazing Manhattan, you right. know, loft, right. which I, that doesn't make that none of this adds up. Like yeah. it, but I remember watching it and being like this is strangely every kid's fantasy, which is fine. I don't mind kids getting, we've talked about that, like yeah. boxcar children and like yeah. the fantasy orphan of fantasy. being an orphan, <laughs> yeah, orphan fantasy. But somehow in that circumstance, it just became obnoxious. Like yeah. in a book, it, like in a kind of, I don't know, in a book about adventure yeah. and figuring, you know, out how to survive and all that, it was kind of charming and I saw value in it. And then in this sort of vapid sitcom, I just thought it was the worst. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> there you go. Well, There's my the, rant for the day. No, I, and the truth is like, our kids are going to like certain media that we never sure. understand or like, we don't have to, but I think the tween, the tweens are still, at least mine is still willing enough to be interested in what I'm interested in, you know, that she yeah. thinks the musical, like the Broadway musicals I listen to are cool. And in a right. few years, she'll think it's really dorky that I listen to Broadway music. Um, So I think it's a fun time to use that as a, bo- as a thing to bond over and then, yeah, I mean, they're going to have their own things that they get into. Yeah. Um, well, maybe she won't ever think it's dorky. I don't think my kids not. do. Maybe not. So. <laughs> um, okay. So another tip, maybe, if you could call it a tip, is finding ways to give more freedom without, like, throwing your hands up and being like, well, I guess I've lost this battle. Now you just get free reign Everything. of whatever yep. it is. Like, whether you're talking about phone and technology or staying home alone or... Yep. Decision like with Owen, that was the really good example of the like baseball. Like he was ready to make that decision on his own. You weren't quite ready. Like, I don't think we need to throw up our hands and just give up. But finding ways to give that freedom so they feel like we're giving it. um, But also within boundaries because they're children still. We're not talking about 16, 17, 18 year olds. Um, And then I also put related to this that um, I think it's a great time for more chores and jobs and independence at home because it's like two sides of the same coin. Like you want to have a phone or you want to stay home alone. So here's what else 11 year olds get to do in our house or whatever it is. Um, So I think that's a great time to pile on the expectations of what um, what gets done around the house. I don't know. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think it's also a, a time that they can start kind of learning that you, um, you earn money when you yeah. do things of value for other people. And I mean, I know there are tweens out there who are walking dogs and baby, not babysitting at that age, probably, but mother's helper kind of yeah. stuff and making money. I haven't found, I found that my kids are really motivated to make money at this age, at this stage, but not necessarily motivated to go out and, you know, knock on doors. So, um, you know, this, that's kind of an aside, I guess, because we're really talking more about responsibility and, and kind of learning how to juggle between independence and, and, um, responsibility. But, but I do think that that if, if you have a kid who's entrepreneurial minded, this is a great age to get them kind of out there making flyers and stuff. And they don't have maybe some of the self-consciousness that comes a few years later. So they're still totally eager beaver to go on the pavement. And they're not as busy. They don't have the same. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And I, and I totally agree. Like, I don't know. I don't know that I can add anything to what you said that would make it of more value, but there is like, there's just that balance to strike between like, okay, now we're like letting you have a little more and a little more, but just because for example, your 18 year old brother gets to go to bed kind of whenever he wants, doesn't mean you do. You're not 18 yet. And I've had to say things like that before. Like you're not X age yet. And there are benefits 
to you not being that age, I don't ask you to shovel the walk every day yeah. either. So you, you know what I mean? Like the, there's that's, trade-offs. That's the eternal challenge of having a bunch of kids relatively close together is you're yeah. always having to defend and explain why someone gets to or doesn't get to do something or you're right. lumping them all together. And that has trade-offs too. And I've talked about that. Sometimes it's easier to have them all do the same thing, but then right. you're probably selling somebody short. Yeah. Um, no, I totally, I totally agree. Um, yeah, I, think- I will also say just to that, just to that kind of end, um, when you've got a, a clump of kids that are all kind of entering stages together, and I know yours are somewhat spread out, but like they're all kind yeah, of two years not, apart too. Yeah, half, they're yeah. they're not all babies anymore. Like they're no, all no, yeah, not babies, they're all and they're all kind of moving into this phase. You know, Allegra's leading the pack, but everyone's coming up right behind her. And I have noticed for myself, like it's easy to never get around to teaching the third kid how to load the dishes right. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. there's always an older sibling to do it. Yeah. Or, and Owen really, he's great at flying under the radar. Mm-hmm. He's great at stalling. And he's great at kind of like passive, like passive aggressively, almost not doing something until someone else just gives up and does it for him. Yeah, I remember so, you saying that. Like he tricks people into doing yes. stuff for him. So he's he's found his place to be kind of lazy and yeah. stolly. And so I have to be really active about that because yeah. otherwise William and Clara do everything. Yeah. Like, oh, Jacob and Isaac do the big kid stuff, like the heavy lifting, literally. Yeah. And then there's all the kind of younger kid jobs. Yeah. And Clara and William will always pull their weight harder than Owen. They just, for whatever yeah. reasons, and we could talk about the four tendencies in another episode, yeah. maybe. <laughs> um, wherever they fall on the scale of how they how they respond to outward expectations. Yeah. Owens is basically no. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. So, yeah, it, it, it is a challenge and it's something I have to pay close attention to. So, no, I, I think that's so true. Um, with the giving of the freedom too, I have found that it feels better. And I feel like you and I've talked about this before. It always feels better as a parent when it's your idea. Like every once in a while, if we're going in the car, just the two of us, I'll say, Hey, do you want to sit up front? Now it's, yeah. she's, she's big enough to safely sit up front. I just don't have her do it regularly because it's still safer for her to be in the right. back seat. And I don't want to have a fight about it or like have to decide which car trips she gets to sit up front. But yep. if it's my idea and we're going a short distance and it's like, it almost feels like we're breaking a rule or something kind of like what you said yep. in our happy habits. Like when you decide to be the one who's flexible, I think that kind of goes a long way with this tween age because they still are going to have a lot of boundaries and bumpers in place. And we're going to be telling them no for a while. Like you said, mm-hmm. like a, a 12 year old is not an 18 year old, but when it can be kind of your idea, like, Hey, you want to stay up a little later and I'll kind of whisper it. So the little kids don't hear yeah. And like, it kind of feels fun that way. And don't you remember, don't you remember those moments from when you were a kid? I mean, I was the youngest, so that didn't happen to me as related to the younger siblings, but I remember like every now and then my mom would let me stay up to watch part of cheers. Like yeah. I get to watch the first commercial and yeah. it was, I never knew it was coming. Yes. So I never counted on it. Yep. But when it did, it was like, oh, yeah, I just bought like seven more minutes and I get to watch this grown up show, which is kind of edgy. Yep. You know, they're in yep. a bar. Yep. So, yeah, totally. No, I, I, I think it goes a, a little goes a long way. And it, yeah. it as a mom, it helps you feel like you're not giving in to someone's nagging or begging. It's your idea. So you get to control it. So, yep. Um, another little tip I wrote down was, and again, this is food for an entire episode, but the letting these kids start to experience little failures, natural consequences, and like when we were talking about the executive functioning and the homework of school getting harder, kind of as a parent, practice restraining yourself from saving them from every frustration. Now, I think we can start practicing that when they're two, but I think this is another really good time to start practicing that because like we talked about when we were talking about school, school gets harder, expectations get higher, but it's still very safe. And so this is a great time if you want to be that parent who doesn't rush in and rescue with every science project, but it's hard for you. That's kind of Mm. me. Like I really want to be the hands off, like letting my kids really figure stuff out for themselves. But I'm also kind of like an efficiency person. I like to get stuff done. I like to do things right. So I, this is like really good practice for me to be like, no, it's not important to me. If you remember your library book, I know you have to bring it today. And I know I could remind you, but I'm not going to. And, and the failure might not even be big enough for her to care. So it's almost more, it's almost more about me, I think. Like really yeah. like practicing how do I want to be as I give this kid more room to fail in safe ways. And I want to be more hands off. So I'm practicing that even if she doesn't really get it yet. Yeah, I, I will say that I, I think you may... Um experience a bit of jarring (laughs) a bit of a jar when she goes into middle school Mm -hmm. I because I think 
even when you're practicing that, like even when you're practicing not rescuing kids in elementary school, there's still sort of this other cultural thing going on where yes. it's like you're still supposed to be pretty involved. And yes. depending on the teacher, some want you to be really involved. Some want you to be less involved. It's like you got to figure out where you fall. And then in my experience in middle school, they want parents to be really like it's just a totally different way. They want yeah. you to relate to your kid yeah. and their schoolwork. They want you to pay attention and know what's happening, but they don't really want you to step in and and rescue them yeah. in that same way. And it becomes just like the, the line becomes a lot clearer. So that was that was kind of a challenge for me only because I was like, suddenly the stakes are higher. The mm-hmm. work is harder. Um, I, don't, I definitely don't want to bail anybody out, but I'm also supposed to be looking at their grades every yeah. night. So I have information I can't really do anything about. Yeah. And in elementary school, there just isn't that kind of constant ability at least in in our school district there's not like the constant ability to check in on how they're doing like right. it's, unless i email the teacher and ask her i don't have a grade book we get that I can we see. get well we get notified of what the homework is each night okay which does put it on me to like technically i know what it is and i think right. the expectation is that her- parents are really supporting homework getting completed and I, mm-hmm. I I do I mean I just ask but I, I really say do you have homework that's important to you because <laughs> right, right. Now, to be really honest the homework is not important to me at this point if we were really behind in a subject or I there might be circumstances where it was but right now it's not a priority for me so I phrase it as is there homework that and a lot of times you know she's a pleaser so a lot of times she would really like to be the kid who does her homework but there's other forces at play distraction and so yeah it is like it's a major learning curve for me at least yeah and and just to be clear like in my kids school um we can't we do know like we have the ability to know what the homework is I -hmm. won't say that I pay super close attention it hasn't been an issue what we don't have the ability to see is how they did on the homework (laughs) okay like it comes home but like I I don't have a big picture I don't have a grade book I can go and check and with the middle schoolers and above they have a grade book that I can go look at every single day I can look at it several times a day if I want. And there, I think it can be really um, tempting when you have access to that minute by minute information to be kind of obsessive about it. Yeah. Even though there's not really, you you can encourage or force your kid to do their schoolwork, but that doesn't mean they're going to turn it in. That doesn't mean they're going to do well in the test. Like there's still, it's kind of out of your hands anyway. Yeah. So it's just, it, it becomes like you're, it's, you're more helpless than ever, but you have more monitoring ability in Mm -hmm. middle school, which Mm -hmm. I don't. It doesn't really work well for me. No, and I, I was going to mention the book, The Gift of Failure, which I've talked about before by Jessica yeah. Leahy, and she is an ardent opponent or whatever, opposer of the frequent checking of the parent portal, um, mm. specifically yeah. because it really undermines the goal, which is to have kids being able to complete things independently. And if yeah. they can't, then there are... Then then they need a strategy to help them do that. What they don't need is somebody checking their grades every five minutes and sort of right. coming at them from the other angle without really addressing what the issue is. So that's a right. whole, that's a topic for a whole other podcast, yeah, but for sure. I'll link up that book. And um, for those who want to kind of think more about this, that's a really good one. Um, so my last kind of parenting tip, I guess, before we wrap came from the interview you and I did with Whit Honey recently, where he talked about having 61 minute conversations versus one 60 minute conversation. And he actually got that from Dr. Deborah Gilboa, I think. So he was quoting someone else, but, um, and that is on all kinds of topics. I mean, we were talking about alcohol responsibility and of course there's puberty that's looming during these ages and sex ed and body image. But really, I think it's, there's also great conversations around like race and politics and religion and like some headier subjects that kids this age can be really insightful and smart about. Um, And it's not just like the sex ed types topics. It's anything. um, I think if we approach it in that lots of small conversations and not being able to bring anything up and not having and teaching them to not be afraid to bring anything up is such an easier strategy than like having one big talk with the capital. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And you know, it, it got me thinking like that, that 61 minute conversations thing is it doesn't also have to be a conversation like mm-hmm. your kids also notice the way you react to things that they say. Mm-hmm. So it could be a 10 second yeah. conversation. And I'm using I'm using, quote, you know, conversation in air quotes again, because it could really be you saying something like, oh, that's an interesting like that's a kind of interesting way to say that. Why did you why did you think that if it was something that they said that was sort of like a generalization? Right. Or a stereotype. And 
I find sometimes just pushing back a little bit and you can yep. do it with humor. You can just be like, oh, well, why would you say that? Do you think that's really true or did you just say it? Yeah. Um, it doesn't even necessarily have to go anywhere. Yep. I think sometimes it can just be kids like to say a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they're almost looking to see what your response is going to be, yeah. I think. And sometimes they're just parroting what they've heard and they're not thinking about it at all. And I feel like that's equally a big part of your job and our job as parents is just to be like, oh, well, that's hmm. Let's yeah. talk more about that or tell yeah. me more about that. Yeah. Yeah. And, that's my favorite yeah. line is tell me more about that. I say it and all the time. I say it like five times a day. Sometimes they just yeah. get kind of frustrated and yeah. they have nothing else to say because yeah. the truth is they didn't think about what they were. Yeah. But now they know they've registered in their heads. I said this and the reaction was, hmm. Yeah. And so maybe next time I'll think harder yeah. before I say something. Well, and then we have all of the opportunities with media to just point things out like, wow, yeah. that was a really sexist commercial or like whatever. Right. It doesn't have to be a big deal but they're still looking for our opinions on various things they might adopt yeah. the same opinions they might not but um it's it's a fertile time i feel like um yeah so should we wrap up this was good yeah um, i think we should i have a bunch of previous episodes where a couple of different interviews um and then one time you and i talked about the middle school years we've talked about yeah. making one making time for one-on-one -on -one time with our kids a lot of like similar topics and i will link those up because several of them are way back in the way back archives, but some good okay. episodes. So I will link those up um, before we go. Just a reminder that we still have our listener survey up for a couple more weeks. Um, you can get to it at the in any of the show notes. Um, you can click that link and take our survey, which helps us decide on topics to do on the structure of the show, on how we work with our sponsors, all kinds of things you can tell us. So we, we want to hear it. from you. We tell us what to do. <laughs> All right. Well, this was fun. Everything will be at themomhour.com. And this is episode 143. Hey, everyone. Sarah here. Megan and I would absolutely love it if you hit pause right now, right where you're listening and left the mom hour a rating and review. If our show has helped you feel a little more confident as a mom or a little less alone, that's one of the absolute biggest ways you can thank us. And it really takes about 30 seconds. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, just navigate to the Mom Hours show listing. So not the episode you're listening to right now, but the kind of landing area for our show as a whole. And then scroll down to leave a rating or review. Thank you so much. Sarah, I started a Substack last spring just kind of as an experiment. And it turns out I love it. I'm treating it kind of like an old school blog, writing about things that are happening in my life. Megan, I've loved following your stuff on Substack, and I actually just really like Substack in general. You know, we've both been a lot less active on Instagram lately, and I'm finding that Substack scratches that itch to connect and create without all the busyness of a typical social media feed. So I would love it if Mom Hour listeners wanted to look me up there. I'm at meganfrancis.substack.com, and that's Megan with two A's. M-E-A-G-A-N-Francis.substack.com.